Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm Doug Sweeney, the Dean of Beeson Divinity School, here in the podcast studio with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. Today is our second episode in a three-part series on grief. We'll be talking in particular today about grieving the loss of a loved one. Kristen, would you please tell our listeners about our guest today and about our conversation? Yes. Welcome, everyone, to the Beeson Podcast. Our guest today is Hayden Walker. Hayden is one of our outstanding Beeson graduates, having earned a Master of Divinity degree in 2013. She also was the recipient of the James Earl Massey Massey Preaching Award in December 2013. She is a gifted preacher, and she has served with our Robert Smith Jr. Preaching Institute in a number of ways. Uh, Hayden has also previously served at Mountain Brook Baptist Church as its youth minister. Hayden is a full-time wife and mom and continues to preach and teach God's Word frequently. And if I may, I'd like to say just a personal word. Um, Hayden and I both graduated from the same university, Washtenaw Baptist, uh, four years apart. And when I learned that Hayden was moving to Birmingham to come to Beeson, I was thrilled. And we quickly developed a friendship. Uh, Hayden has been such a blessing to me, and I know she will be a blessing to you all through this conversation. Uh, We have invited Hayden on the show today to share with you all about the life and death of her daughter, Zoe, as well as to talk to us about walking as a Christian with grief. Um, And we may get emotional today, and that's okay, um, but our prayer is that even through sorrow, you will see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, Hayden, let's begin by uh, um, having a fuller introduction into who you are. Um, If you would tell us about uh, where you come from, uh, your faith in Jesus Christ, your family, your call to ministry, anything that you'd like to share. Thanks, Kristen. I'm from the um, tiny but mighty town of Arkadelphia, Arkansas, and have a long history, a lot of roots there. Um, All my grandparents grew up there. Um, So I grew up with a really rich kind of family life, and I'm very grateful that my parents raised me in the church. It was really in the church that I came to know the Lord, and I really can't remember a time that I didn't love Jesus. It was probably when I was in junior high and high school that my faith really grew and developed. Um, I had some college girls that mentored me and really poured into me, and I was a part of a healthy student ministry. And my faith flourished during those years, and I went to do my undergraduate work in biblical studies at Washita Baptist University. And it was at OBU that the Lord um, really unfolded my call to ministry in ways that I didn't expect or anticipate. I went majoring in biblical studies, but I didn't know how the Lord was going to use that for a vocational calling. In hindsight, I can see that the Lord was doing work Many years before, when I was 13, I preached on Youth Sunday, but it was a dozen years later here at Beeson that I kind of connected those dots and saw the Lord's hand from from the years earlier and how He was shaping my call to ministry. 
another huge gift during my time at OBU was meeting my precious husband, Cody. We met our freshman year and then got married three weeks after graduation. And shortly after, we decided to move to Birmingham. I wanted to pursue theological education and felt like Beeson was the place that I wanted to do that. So we saved every penny that we made for a year and um, moved here in the summer of 2011. And then I graduated with my MDiv in 2013. Hayden, we want to share with our listeners about your daughter Zoe and your experience as her mom. Uh, Would you mind starting out by just telling us a little bit about what you call the first phase of Zoe's life and uh, the time when you came to know that you were pregnant with her? Yes. Um, Cody and I had been married for five years when we began asking the Lord to expand our family. And a little over a year into that season of prayer, the Lord heard our prayer. And I was pregnant and soon miscarried that baby, which was just a shock, honestly, after having prayed for so long, it felt like the Lord had given us this gift of this child, and then to miscarry um, was just a heartbreaking loss. But Cody and I both can see how the Lord's hand was involved and and redemptive in that miscarriage, um, because a few months later, when I became pregnant with Zoe, we just knew what a gift it was, not only to be pregnant, but to stay pregnant. Um And so we knew early on that every day with Zoe was a gift and not a guarantee. In fact, I can remember um, being on the phone with my spiritual father and telling him that I was pregnant and telling him that exact phrase, we know that every day is a gift and not a guarantee. And that the Holy Spirit just imprinted that on my mind. It became a banner over her life in a way that we didn't, we had no idea how that was going to unfold. But we were certain that every day with her was a gift. And so there was just an incredible joy to be pregnant with her during that first kind of, you know, it was the first 18 weeks of pregnancy. It was just a lot of joy and gratitude. Tell us what happened then on Monday, Thursday. How did the events that unfolded in Zoe's life that week affect the way you experienced Holy Week? So it's a two-part question. You know, what happened on that Monday, Thursday, and then um, what followed that the rest of that Holy Week? Monday, Thursday um, in 2016 fell on March 24th, and it was that day that um, we had our anatomy scan scheduled, which is a routine procedure. Um, quite honestly, we were most concerned to find out if we were having a boy or a girl, but it was during that anatomy scan that we learned so we had um, some severe problems with um, the way that her bones had formed and learned on that day um, that she would die. And the, the gravity of that newfound knowledge while still um, very much feeling her life um, move and kick inside of my body was just a paradox. That I, it was impossible to wrap our heads around. Um, we got home that evening just heartbroken, just absolutely crushed. And as we opened the text to read the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane and to see him there praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me. That was our prayer. We wanted that cup to pass from us um, for the Lord to heal Zoe, for her to not die. Um, but that's not the way the Lord finishes his 
his prayer in the garden. He says, nevertheless, not as you will, not as I will, but as you will. And, and we had prayed those things before. We had prayed for the Lord's will to prevail, you know, as believers. But um, to pray it with that gravity of, of the life of your child being at stake um, was a new gift of grace from God that we were able to pray those things that day. And to trust that um, no matter what happened, that Jesus was going to be with us. And so kind of to the second part of your question, Kristen, um, because it happened on Monday, Thursday, the whole Easter weekend has kind of been the paradigm of the way that we've processed our grief um, because we knew this incredible deep sorrow that she was sick and that there was impending death and that it was going to get worse and that our Good Friday was coming, and that Zoe was going to die. Um, and then that we would live the remainder of our lives. We're living in that Holy Saturday moment, even now, three and a half years later. Um, but we know Sunday is coming, and we know that the resurrection is real, and we know that because Jesus got out of that grave, one day Zoe will too. So the, the Easter weekend has shaped the way that we think about our grief. Shortly after you received the diagnosis, you started blogging about your experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Why did you do it? And in what ways did it help you as you were grieving about this? I really began the blogging process as a way to disseminate information. As a minister, there were concerned people in our congregation that wanted to know what was happening. Um, all of our family and friends back in Arkansas wanted to know what was happening. And to repeat the conversations was just too much. So it really began um, as a opportunity, a platform to be able to connect with our family and friends to show, to be able to tell them what was happening. Um, but the Lord kind of unfolded it, and um, for me, it became a really healing place to process. It was really cathartic for me to sit and pray and. Um, to write the things that the Lord was teaching me. And then kind of as a a real gift that we didn't see until later, I think, was that um, when I found out I was pregnant with Zoe, we began praying. Even those early, early weeks, um, we prayed that this child, we didn't know if it was a boy or girl, we didn't know anything, but we prayed that this child would be an evangelist. And we can see how God used um, the blog to make his story great. He used Zoe's story to make the story of Christ known to people truly around the world. And and so we can see that the Lord did answer that prayer for her to get to be an evangelist, um, just not in the ways that we anticipated. Uh, speaking of your blog, you blogged on March 25th uh, specifically about Zoe's name in light of her diagnosis. Can you tell us about uh that realization, the the paradox, I guess, between the diagnosis and her name, Zoe. So we found out um, on March 25th that um, the specialist told us that her diagnosis was thanatophoric dysplasia. And having been a student here at Beeson, um, took Greek, I immediately recognized the word thanatos, death, in my child's diagnosis which was just like an iron clamp had been put around my heart. Um, to see the word death was paralyzing. Um, 
the Holy Spirit later on that day was so kind to show me that that was her diagnosis. It was not her destiny and reminded me of Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is thanatos, it's this death, but the charisma to theou, the grace gift of God, is so we eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this picture of life as a gift of grace from Jesus, that that is her destiny um, and not death. Um, and we believe that she's living into that even now. Will you tell us a bit about Zoe's actual birth and death and then the events that followed with her funeral uh, and her burial? The Lord is really kind um, because on March 24th, 25th, um, we were told that she would die in the womb and very imminently. Um, but the Lord just sustained her um, for three months. And I went into labor on June the 23rd, which interestingly enough, 623, which we had named her from Romans 623. Um, she was born early in the morning on June 24th. Um, beautiful, precious little baby doll. Um, and shortly thereafter went to be with the Lord. Um, and her death, you know, as anticipated as a death is when you're in the face of a terminal diagnosis, there's still a shock factor that it actually happened. Um, and that shock was very real and the pain was very real, but equally real was just the peace of God. Um, I mean, just almost palpable in the room. And we had memorized um, a portion of Philippians 4 while she was sick, Cody and I had, and we truly experienced that peace that passes understanding. I mean, are you, it's indescribable, and I think if you don't know, if you have to question if you've ever experienced that or not, you haven't, because um, it was just an unmistakable peace of the Holy Spirit. And we had close family and friends around us. And they got to meet Zoe and celebrated her life with us and grieved with us in the days that I was still in the hospital. Um, and then we went back to my um, hometown of Arkadelphia to bury Zoe. There's a cemetery there where six of my eight great-grandparents are buried. Um, just a rich family, um, beautiful place. We buried Zoe there um, in the presence of many, many friends and family. And um, that was a hard, an incredibly hard day um, to bury Zoe, but really beautiful to um, just to bathe ourselves in the promises of Scripture and to recognize that this is not only her burial place, but this is her resurrection destination. And... Um, even in the months that followed as we intentionally crafted her headstone with Romans 6.23 on it. And um, we have this at the bottom. It says, waiting in hope for the glorious resurrection. And we have had opportunities to talk about um, the hope of Jesus so often because of Zoe. A year and a half passed between Zoe's birth and uh, your son, Rhett's birth. Um, please, if you will, tell us about that experience during in that in-between time um, walking through the absence of Zoe's presence and the grief that followed and then secondly um, the challenges and joys that came with having 
Rhett um, following um, Zoe's birth and death. That was a really very hard season. Um, Grief is not linear, and as much as you think that you can prepare yourself for something like the death of a child, you really, you can't. Um, You have to live it, and you have to wake up every day and trust that God is going to give you the manna for that day, or for that five minutes, and that he's going to do it again, um, and again, and again, and again. And so that year and a half, and really even beyond when Rhett was born, um, in the thick of grief, the Lord just sustained us, even in the messy places. Um, and it was messy, and it was really hard, and the holidays were really hard. Um, and Cody and I um, needed to grieve alone quite often. We just missed her so much and missed what we were missing with her. And then when I became pregnant with Rhett, actually I had a miscarriage between Zoe and Rhett. So there was just a, a long season of of hopelessness in a lot of ways and just having to go back to the word and back to the promises and back again and again and again. And um, we have a lot of spiritual amnesia, I think, or I do. And um, just to be reminded of what is real and that God's goodness was not ever contingent upon us having a living child. But we are grateful when I became pregnant with Rhett and we're so grateful on his many ultrasounds to see healthy growing bones. And we're grateful on November 20th, 2017, when he was born healthy. Um, and he is a vibrant toddler now. But, you know, our grief has changed in many ways. It's still there, but um, but in, in different ways. We miss being a family of four. We miss Zoe being with us at the dinner table. We miss Zoe on every occasion, cooking scrambled eggs in the morning. Um, so it's it's it doesn't go away. One child in no way replaces another, just the way that the Lord's heart can be for all of his people, and he knows all of his sheep by name. There's always space for Zoe. The joy and the grief coexist. And you've talked about how being a Christian, uh, being a serious, orthodox, believing Christian, uh, has made a difference in the way you've grieved. And some of this has come through just in the way you've answered the questions we've been asking you so far. But would you share with our listeners what you think uh, the difference is that serious faithfulness uh, as a Christian believer can make, at least, in the way people experience grief and deal with it? Hmm. I think that um, something that we heard so often when Zoe was sick from very well-meaning people was, why is this happening to you? Why you and Cody are just model believers, servants of the church. You're a minister. How is this happening to you? And and it would be so easy to let this kind of quid pro quo um, idea of our relationship with God come into your mind of, I'm doing these things for you, Lord, and you had better act appropriately towards me. And that is not um, the way that God works. And and. His goodness is not predicated upon his um, gifts in our lives or um, upon his working of any any sort of a miracle. He's good just for the sake of who he is. And, and I think that that was probably the most tempting thing that is combated by orthodoxy, 
that could destroy your faith, I think, in the face of suffering. I think in the face of suffering, if you heard that so often and you began to believe it, it could truly make you crumble in the face of of deep suffering. I think also just the um, idea that we as believers are free to grieve. And um, we grieve, but not as those with no hope. But it doesn't say that we don't grieve. And we felt a lot of freedom to grieve. And um, Tim Keller says in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, that as believers, we have greater sorrow, but greater hope. We have greater sorrow because we know that it is not supposed to be this way, but we have greater hope because we know it will not always be this way. Um, And I think that that narrative of um, the sorrow and the hope dancing together um, gave us a lot of freedom in our grief, whereas otherwise if we felt like we had to fit within sort of, you know, a particular model, I think that that would have crushed us. But you read the Psalms, you see all of the, all of the emotions being poured out before the Lord. And um, I think that that really gave us a lot of freedom in our grief. Ten months after Zoe's death, you preached in Hodges Chapel during community worship. And I, I'm just wondering, Hayden, uh, hearing you uh, speak, what was that experience like when you were, were still in the midst of such grief and um, in, in, in particular standing underneath the dome of the saints uh, that are pictured there. Um, In many ways, it was a a redemptive time for me to be in a place I love, doing what I love, preaching the Word of God that the Holy Spirit's preaching to me. Um, So that was a healing experience in many ways. And I can remember on that day um, this sadness and the heaviness of what life with a 10-month-old should have been like and what my reality was, in fact. Um, But I can remember looking up at the cloud of witnesses painted in the dome surrounding Christ. And there is one little face, one particular little face that looks just so much like Zoe, an uncanny resemblance. And um, i felt just the presence of um, the cloud of witnesses that even though she was not there um, with us in the chapel that day, that she was somehow present with the Lord and the communion of saints throughout time and space um, was very hopeful to me. Hayden, in conclusion, I'm, I'm imagining as we're talking that there are people listening to the podcast or people who will listen to the podcast when it airs, uh, who are experiencing grief even now. And I'm wondering if we could conclude with just a few words of encouragement for them based on your own experience. Everyone grieves so differently, but I think that um, the importance is to grieve and to feel the whole range of um, emotions. The Lord has created emotions and that it's okay to feel permission to grieve, but to sort of always grieve with one hand on the Bible and to feel the freedom to pray, um, even when you're angry at the Lord, but to always remain in Scripture, to make the choice, the real choice, to 
to keep on reading um, and to trust that the Holy Spirit is at work, even if you don't feel anything after you have um, spent time in the Word, to keep the lines of communication open, not only to the Lord through prayer, but um, in friendship with one another, not to isolate yourself, to have people that you can talk to is so important. Um, And I would just remind anyone who's grieving, no matter what the circumstances are, that if you are in Christ, Sunday really is coming. And there really is hope. And there really is uh, joy because of Jesus. You have been listening to Beeson alumna Hayden Walker. Uh, telling us about her experience uh, of the life and death of her daughter, Zoe. Uh, We thank you very much for being with us, and uh, we'll see you soon. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.